can I say? Mamba out. And we're back. And Episode we're back. four of uh, Fifth and Dribble. You're here with your beloved shit talkers, Matty B and Locke. What is doing? What is doing? What a do, nephew. Um, all right. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? You doing well? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Great week of some football, mate. I was, oh, I mate. was except for the last game on Sunday night. I could have done without that, I think. Yeah, oh, we'll get to it. Don't worry right, about that. Uh, uh, I've got plenty, plenty of shit to give you. There's uh, been plenty of our friends hitting me up in the uh, in the old text messages saying, oh, make sure you give it to them about them Panthers. Don't worry oh, about that. So, uh, are they the same ones hitting you up saying you owe me a case after last uh, week's case bet? Thank you, brother. Yes. Yes, yes. they are the same ones. Um, <laughs> that will be with you in three to five business days. So, Whenever uh, Uncle Dan's can get, get a little move on. Yeah, good on Uncle Dan's. Um, all right, well. As we do with the start of every episode, let's plug a little bit of shit first. Um, follow us on the socials, Fifth and Dribble at uh, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, feel free to slide into the DMs for the Thursday question time. And if you are feeling a little bit out there, a little bit woo-woo, head to uh, anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. I think the people that listen to us are exclusively feeling woo-woo. Yeah, exactly. And and shout out to all of those that do listen to us. And and those that were getting in touch with us um, over the weekend when we were putting stuff up on our stories um, on Instagram. Um, if you do ever miss anything and you feel like you're missing out on Inside Joke, it's typically from the last episode or so. So just, you know, there's an hour of your day. Just send it. Why not? Just send it. Um, so, yeah, here we go. Let's get into it. Anything, you don't have anything you need to plug? No, I'm all good. You plugged it all, man. Yeah, good. All plugged. All plugged. <laughs> like, like a fine wine. All right. The uh, the key stuff this week, Adam Elliott was sacked for the whole kissing in the dunnies episode and is supposedly linked to the Western Australia Tigers. What's your uh, What's your thoughts on this? If he, if he had more talent, he'd probably get a statue. <laughs> the amount of off-season stuff, like you look at it, like people look at Joey and Freddie and they love all that off, off-field stuff. But some yeah. like, but you have a big forward do it and no one likes it. Scary. No one cares. Yeah. No one cares. You, you, have, you have a cute little half do it. It's fine. You have the big scary forward. People can't handle it. Um, I mean, he was probably gone anyway. That frees up a lot of money for them. Um, I do, all jokes aside, I do think if he was held in high regard at the Doggies, he probably would still be there. Yeah. Um, can you guess what club has probably been linked to him? Well, not probably. I know it has been linked to him. Oh, for sure the Western Australian Tigers. Yes, the, the Tigers of Western Australia have been linked to Adam Elliott. Yep. And he does seem like, for a team that's trying to fix their culture, a guy who gets it out of Mad Monday, gets caught having a kiss in the dunnies with his shirt off, just doesn't seem like a culture guy, does he? No, no, he does not. No, not, on, not only caught having a kiss in the dunnies, kissing his mate's sister in the dunnies. Yep. And absolutely. also caught, once again, they use the, use the term kissing, his teammate's... Uh, I think fiance at the time or girlfriend. Uh, so, I, I last heard that it was a little bit more than kissing. So did I. I heard the teammates then tried to beat up Adam Elliott and Adam Elliott punched him in the face and beat him up. <laughs> so that was not a great night for an unnamed Canterbury Bulldogs player. Yeah, look, not not good at all. <laughs> um, speaking speaking of not a not a great weekend, Josh Dugan was sacked. He retired. Whatever you want to fucking, whatever you want to call it, he uh, too many too many COVID breaches and off-field shenanigans. The uh, the the silent trio to the to the old Todd Carney and Blake Ferguson days. Uh, Josh Dugan, he's he's done, not to be in the NRL anymore. 
What do you, what do you uh, make of this? How do you get sacked on your day off? <laughs> he thought his season was good. He got through to the off season, planned a mad Monday, and they get a call, Josh. Yeah, don't rock up, mate. Yeah, don't come. Don't in, rock mate. up. We send you a case of cruises. Stay at home. Send you a case but, of cruises, mate. I don't know. As you said, that that the, the holy trinity that is, you know, Blake Ferguson, Todd Carney, and Josh Dugan. If you had told me Blake Ferguson would be the last one standing out of them, oh, I, I would have called you a liar, oh, mate. I would have called you mate, a liar. I holy thought he would have been first gone. But I yeah. mean, Dugan, same kind of thing. Like, I think he'll find a club because he'll if he signs on minimum wage, having him as a depth center is never a bad thing. Mm. Um, I do think someone will pick him up. I don't think he'll go to the UK, even though I think he'd carve up over there in the Super League. I reckon, um, he, does, I reckon he does one year in the UK and then he comes back. He waits for all of this to die down hmm. and then he'll come back with, you know, a bit brighter spirits. Um, and yeah. you watch, it'll be with my fucking Cowboys. It'll happen. Well, I mean, we have no centers. So uh, unless you play the ass man, but, um, it, you know, it, it won't happen. I don't know. I just, I just think, yeah, this this COVID breach was kind of pretty low key compared to Paul Vaughan's. Um, yeah, and he's still got a job. I sit. Well, he lost it and then got a new one. Yeah. I think Dugan <laughs> will do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, I mean, it is what it is. Same kind of thing. If he was a superstar player, if he was, even if he was like a Will Kennedy level guy, he'd still have his job. I think it. Yeah. it didn't help him. He's making seven, eight hundred k, and they can get that off the books. Mm. Um, if Fitzgibbon can use that, well, we'll see. I do think he'll find a job. I think he'll be playing in the NRL next year somewhere. Yeah, right. Um, so you said it off the top. Cracking weekend of footy. I tell you what was not good: the fucking refing. The refing was atrocious. And in, and the worst part was it was better this weekend than what it's been in the past few weeks. Um, but. There were just so many glaring fucking errors. I mean, the bunker included. The bunker's a joke. Um, I can't. I can't get over the absolute depths that they go to um, to prove that they're a joke. But um, I mean, for me this weekend, I saw plenty of tackle in the airs that weren't called. Um, I saw a bunch of um, head high contacts that were on par with Latrell Mitchell, except you know these were not repeat offenders, and because of that, they didn't get sent off. Um, what, I think I think the Latrell thing was the aggression. I don't think any were as bad as Latrell's. I think there was a few factors that went into that. Um, I don't know, the, man. Junior, a whole heap of Junior Paulo coming at your face like that. Like, come on, you yeah, tell me that's not as bad it's, as Latrell's? It's also, it's also, it's just, I don't think they were as bad. I don't think any were, even juniors. I don't think it was on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, he should probably miss some time, but I don't think it'd, it'd be the same kind of six weeks that Latrell got. Oh, no. But I mean, for, for me, it's just the consistency for the refing. Mm. It's just a joke. Like we saw some tries this week scored off guys catching the ball on inside shoulders where all year it's been, even if he doesn't impede the play, mm. it's been a no try, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't always agree with it. I think you can, I think that's being manipulated by a lot of defenders. Yeah, and I 100%. think you should, you should include intent and have reasonable assumption that that guy wasn't going to make that tackle. And then we also have the try that was disallowed, the Fafita try, where um, I think it was Philip Sammy came in and just didn't do anything. He yeah. didn't, t- he didn't, he didn't and, and, make a play. But and I think, you, I think you need to look at that try and think Fafita is going to score that even if that defender comes across. Yeah, and we, we scored, and we saw other tries there. this week where they allowed that. And it's just consistency. Mm. If you're going to call that as soon as you – if you catch it on the inside shoulder, that's a no try, then mm. it's a no try. That's fine. If that's the rule you want to do, but then you can't, you can't not maintain that across all the games. And as you said, yeah. the tackle in the air, the tackle in the air thing is absolutely crazy. Like yeah. you see guys flying into each other, and then as long as you're kind of pretending to look at the ball and have your hands you know, in a somewhat catching position, they let you go. 
not only that, but like the shepherding with it as well and, mm. and like the running escort and stuff like that. Like a lot of the time, um, like I reckon the 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 Josh Morris one, he legitimately had eyes for the ball. And Josh Morris is he's a savvy player, right? That, that, he's not yeah, he's he yeah. he's he's gonna put himself in the right position at the right time and be looking at the ball the whole time. I don't think there was anything in that. Like to but me for people to say that there was that that was as uh, risque as the one, you know, a couple of plays before where they legitimately undercut him and could have caused an injury. Yeah. Um, it was fucked. And even like the worst offender of it, I think, is Justin Olam. He did it yeah. twice in two plays against Manly. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, that forward pass was horseshit too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the forward pass was horseshit. I mean, you know, it's bad. They did this. Oh, I can't remember what game it was. I can't. It was earlier in the year where there was a clear forward pass and it led to a try. So the bunker brought it back and they ruled the knock on in his own hands when he uh, bobbled it forward. You remember that yeah. play? It was the Dodgers, yeah, yeah, it was the yeah. Titans. I can't can't remember exactly who it was, but the yeah. bunker had to come back and like fix up their own mistake. That's what they had to do there with the offside call. That's what they've been doing all fucking year. Because that, that game, that, that Manly and Melbourne game was just refed horrendously. And I'm not saying if it was ref better, Manly would have won. I'm just saying that every single play, Melbourne were up. I'm sure every, I'm sure every, our mate Big Dick Mick thinks if uh, it was ref better, Manly would have gone up. I'm sure up. he does. I'm sure he does. But, <laughs> mate, like if, if, if Melbourne aren't up every time, if that, like that play the ball speed was over four seconds. Yeah. Both teams. Like they were just, they were taking the absolute piss. They were daring the ref to blow the whistle. And the thing is, you can't have your whistle out in the regular season and then not pull it out in the finals. You can't do it. it. Yeah. Yeah, You can't swallow it in the finals. You can't be, you can't be made a bitch like that by the Mm. Melbourne Storm. Mm. Um, but uh, just one thing before we get on to that, the, 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 the two, two more glaring things with the refs were is like the absolute crusher milking that all these teams are doing. And the only ones that aren't doing are the rookies and the young guys that haven't been in the league long enough to just stay down and hold their neck. The amount of times that we saw it, especially in that Eels and Knights game or in the Bunnies game as well, it was absolutely disgusting. And I think that the, the top teams are the worst for it because, I mean, that's how you win games, right? That's how Possession you become a top games. team, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but also, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Wayno's able to call out everybody using a wall for, for Nathan Cleary, but nothing gets called for the Roosters when they use it to win the game. No, what's, no. what's that about? Like, fuck. I don't out. know. I think, I know we touched on the Wayno thing. I think it was a good, he was coming in, being the underdog. I think they wanted, they wanted to kind of just throw something and see if it stuck. And it did stick. Yeah. I mean, the thing with, we'll touch on the Penrith game, but I mean, there, the kick stuff was in their head all game. Yeah. 100%. You could see it. You could, you could see them not try and push it. They thought they were probably going to get penalized if they did. Mm. And it was just, and then even then, Wayno didn't send them to kick pressure as much as you would think. Yeah. Um, he kind of kept them guessing. And that's why he's, that's why he's the best coach of all time. Cause he does stuff yeah. like that. He can manipulate the media into trying to do what he wants. And, and you touched on it with the crush and milking. It's just out of hand, mate. Like yeah. there, there are players, there are forwards whose job it is to run straight and hard. And that's fine. There are mm. forwards whose jobs it is to run straight, to get contact, hit and spin and try and find the offload. And these yeah. guys are spinning themselves. Cause that's how you get the leg drive. You turn and you're pushing backwards and that's what you do. And they fall cause they're being tackled. And then yeah. the slightest contact on the head, stay down and grab the neck. It's, it's yeah. getting bullshit and it's turning into soccer. We don't want to see guys laying down after tackles. If it's bad, it'll be caught. If it's mm. bad, it'll be seen. If it's, if you're hurt legitimately stay down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and the, go on. 
I was going to say that touches on a thing that I, I was going to wait for the Storm Man again, but this thing, this rule fucks me off so much. Well, keep and going. They, keep going. They Get used it. it. They used it for Jerome Hughes, and I know every team does it, and I know it's quote-unquote bullshit bullshit gamesmanship or whatever you want to call it, mm. but that free interchange they get when it's on report, oh, I agree yeah. I agree with a free interchange on report. I'm all for player safety. What mm. I'm also for is if you come on for the guy that's been hurt, you then have to come off when he comes on. Yeah. So Schuster got done for a dangerous tackle on Hughes. Mm-hmm. In 54 minutes and four seconds, right? Yep. So Hughes comes off, he's down, whatever, for Bromwich. He comes off at 54 and 10 seconds. They have a couple of tackles. There's a stoppage because there's an HIA for Dylan Walker. Hughes comes on and Tui comes off for 54-41. So 30 seconds, less than 30 seconds later, you get a free interchange of a front rower. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's fun. bullshit. It's like and, and and the same thing happened with Tyson Frizzell and uh, Brody Jones or whatever it yep. was. Like that, the exact same thing happened. They brought um, who was their strike player off the bench? They're fourteen. Um, uh, Sue was it? Yeah, I think it might have been Sue. Sue, then, Sue, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they were they were interchange, and I mean he can I guess he can play lock as well, but they were just interchanging forwards for 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 leg guys, like just absolute for sport, and um and yeah, it was it's fucked, man. Like I, I hate to say it as well, and um, but I mean this goes back to your point that back in like in the early days so that what was that Broncos stat that you had that there were like twenty yeah in the grand final there's like forty interchanges or something, yeah, and that's these yeah. guys, are, and it is what it is. Like I, I know that. Team Teams need to take precautions with head injuries. I'm not saying they're not. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is, if Bromwich comes off, if 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 Bromwich comes on when yeah. Hughes comes off, he has to come off and Hughes comes back on. You can use that free interchange. That's fine. Get him checked and get him looked yeah. at. But can't needs to be do the same that. Guy. And yeah. There needs to be the same guy. You can't. Otherwise, you're just giving guys free interchanges. And yeah. we're going to see it more and more with this fatigue and six again stuff being made such a focus in the game. Teams mm. are going to be looking to keep guys fresh. Yeah. Teams are going to be looking, how can we get a big middle forward out there after having a break? They're going to keep doing this shit. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's just maddening. Like I, like the NRL was so concerned and the media was so concerned about this 18th man getting brought in. Oh, teams are going to game this. They're going to fake three HIAs to bring in an 18th man who in the first place is not good enough for your 17. Yeah. So like, if that's what you want to, you want to, you want to bring the worst guy on the field, onto the field. Oh, by all means, go go for it, bro. Go for it. And like, they were like, oh, he's got to be under 23, under this many games, all the stuff Mm. they wanted to do when there was a rule like this in front of them and they didn't even listen. They didn't give it a second. I don't understand. And I remember watching the game and my brother turned to me when Hughes was in the tackle and he goes, why are they bringing him off? It wasn't that bad. I went, well, he'll be, I was like, he'll be on in less than a minute and they'll swap two props for him. Oh my! And that's exactly days. what they did. The rugby and it, it's league not even, It's not even like a whisper. It's every single game, and it's not just Melbourne that do it. But yeah. Melbourne are fantastic at it. Yeah, They're, Melbourne are great at it. The first reportable offence, especially on a spine player, will get a free interchange for a forward. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that leads to their. I mean their fantastic levels of completion and stuff like that. Like they know how to. They know how to. Rig the system to the point where they can win forty to twelve. You know, they're 
uh, we've got the stats here, completion at 90% versus the 72% for Manly. Possession, 61-39. They had all the line breaks in the game, five to nothing. Um, they tackled almost 70 less times. Um, and and the missed tackles, 19 to 36. You know, they've just got fresher players because they know how to exploit. And, I mean, they have great training too. They're a top team. I'm not saying that they're not. Um, but... You know, it's it's these little one percent things that that lead to these big victories, and that's why they've got a four and against of plus fucking four hundred and ninety nine because they know how to do this stuff. Um, but uh, an interesting stat that was sent in um, to us by a friend of the podcast, Jonesy, he um, he pointed out to me that the last two times that Manly have lost forty to twelve to the Storm, the Storm have gone on to win the premiership. In the, uh, in the finals. He pointed that out to me too, but I forgot about it till now. Yeah. Because so, <laughs> um, he did it right after the game. Shout out, Jonesy. Sorry, brother. Yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> you know, and, and Jonesy, love, like one thing you guys got to know about Jonesy is he loves turning the screws. So uh, Big Dick, who's a massive Manly fan, will be listening to this right now and be like, oh, fucking Jonesy. I will fucking send him sideways. So um, shout out to those, both of those boys. Um, I'll be having it out tonight after that fun fact, mate. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, on on top of all of those stats, you know, Munster, holy shit! No. Like he's if he is not the informed six of of the league, then then who is like Cody far Walker. out? Okay, all right, <laughs> <laughs> you got me there, you bastard. But um, but. You know, all I heard coming up to this game was how oh, Munster stands up in the big games. Munster stands up in the big games. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm ready for Munster to stand up in the big game. Holy and he shit. stood up in he a big, up game, in the big mate. game, mate. He right. And that was it. Game. And that, and he's he's on the back of that forward pack rolling and he just knows what to do. He's a grub. He, he elbowed um, Olukawatu or Harper, one of them in the face. Yeah, I think um, it was Harper. And, and got away with a clean elbow. But, man, he yeah. terrorized that edge of Manly. Olukawatu mm. was going to have Munster-shaped nightmares. Yeah. Same with Harper. Like, I, I thought they were going to be able to exploit that Richie. side. Um, but, man, Munster just knew what to do. And I, I think th- this is a theme I think we're going to touch on with a few of these games where it's like, Manly's plan seemed to be to use him as a strike weapon, Olukawatu on Munster. Mm. And try and tire him out on defense and try and try and do stuff like that. But mm. I mean, Melbourne year after year has some of the best back rollers at protecting the halves. Yeah, 100%. Like Bromwich and Kafusi. As much as we don't like them, they protect the halves better than most back rollers in the game. Mm. And that's what happened. Anytime they tried, they kept going to Olukawatu. They kept going to that right edge because I'm pretty mm. sure that's the edge Lumi Lumi was on. Yeah. So I think it was in their mind. Yeah, he was their left winger. Yeah. So it was it was in their mind to attack Lumi Lumi and make him make decisions, which worked on that unbelievable time, oh. try, which we'll get to. We'll get to try the year, mate. <laughs> uh, um, and even then, like all the kicks were short kicks on the line. Cherry Evans to Olukawatu to just try and to try and put Lumi Lumi in a situation where he has to make decisions. Yeah. And they overused it too much. Mm, you need mm. to do something else. And I, I'll talk about it when we get to Panthers Roosters because Panthers had a similar problem. Whereas yeah. they kept when plan A doesn't work, you need to be able to adapt because not plan yeah. A is not always going to work. And their plan yeah. A really didn't work. And yeah. And as you said, we'll get to it, but I think Cleary just tried to get too cute with it a lot of the time. And and that I think eventually led to their demise. And I, I think Manly tried to get too cute with it too. I think they had a yeah. plan to maybe not use Tommy as much as they probably should have. 
Mm. I think their plan was to kind of think, well, Storm's going to be focusing on Tommy all week. Let's mm. try and do something different. Let's go right and try and be creative down this edge. It didn't work. You should have used Tommy. Should have used Tommy. And even then, I mean, Melbourne just, him down. Melbourne just suffocated him. Yeah. 100%. Melbourne just absolutely suffocated. As I said, like, yes, they were off the line early. And yes, they were all over the ruck doing whatever they wanted. But that's mm. what you can do if you're not going to get called. And that's yeah. how you slow a team like Manly down. They want a fresh, flat track. Mm. And, they, and little, they things, little things like making sure Tommy's on his back while he's, you know, in, in a tackle and stuff exactly. like that. So he can't get up and, and, and get quick play exactly. balls and stuff like that. And it's just, it's it's the touch of a champion. Really. And, and, they, and they kicked to him a lot and trusted their kick chase. Mm. So there were a few times there and he threw a few shitty balls, but where he'd catch it off the, um, off a kick and he'd try and get it out to a winger so that way he could have the second or third hit up. Because mm, he doesn't yeah. want to get, you don't want him to get caught first, and then he's not in the next hit up. Like they were yeah. very smart, Manly. They really managed him, and I think Manly tried to be a little bit too clever with it too. Yeah, I yeah. think they tried to do a bit too much with it. They, they if they had played cute. their normal game, maybe they could have had a better chance. Mm. But and yeah, due that, to this, due to this beautiful lockdown, like Pat looked like he was in top three form again. Like he, he's oh. finding some great form and confidence. Like coming into the finals gorgeously, he had two tries. He ran for 155 meters. Like he's just, he's a weapon. Yeah, he's out there. And I mean, it's just so dynamic. He's just that tip of the spear. If Munster's playing well, Pap can just play on the back of that. Yeah. And and I mean, you've got the unsung hero as well, Jerome Hughes. I mean, I know you touched on him with the whole HIA thing, but... He only missed 30 seconds. He was there all game. Yeah, outside of that, he had <laughs> he had a killer game. Like it, yeah, and, he always And he's, he's a guy that doesn't get enough praise, I think. Like, he's, he's one of the most underrated sevens in our league. He's a great defender. He's an underrated defender on that edge. He mm. always took care of business. They did look dangerous down that left edge. Mm. That's what I'm saying. They should have gone to it a bit more. And I mean, that Saab try was unbelievable. I feel like... It should have been 40 to 6. We need to talk about the, <laughs> Louis, Louis, the Saab just try. <laughs> I mean, holy... I've never... Cue the circus music. Like, nah, 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 nah. How so confident bad. do you think Garrick was when he kicked that ball? Not at all. Fuck me. That has to come off. That, oh, that play has to work, mate. That, but, that's, remember, but that was the thing. Like, they were just trying literally anything at that point. And, and, and you do when you're down that far on the scoreboard. But it... I just love the determination of Saab. Like he never gave up. He knew that he wasn't going to get to that ball first, but continued to stay in pursuit of it. We saw it a couple of times this week. I mean, Cam Murray had a similar thing when the when the Panthers made a break toward the end of that game. Mm-hmm. Billy Army Kickout threw it back in as a Hail Mary, and Cam Murray was right there to catch it. Like it's just these guys that just don't give up and and keep going until the very end of the play and play to the whistle. These are the guys that uh, we're going to be talking about in 10 years. And, and it's yeah. beautiful to see Saab doing that. But he just needs to learn how to tackle. He yeah. can chase down anyone in the league, but he just can't finish. And I think I think that's going to be a big off-season for him. Yeah. I think defensively and in cover, because it's one thing to be able to get to him. You need to be able to bring him down. Like he yeah. got absolutely oost by the hammer the other week, and he gets oost. That's what happens. Mate. He, co- he cops one straight to the chest anytime he tries to wrap anyone. He's got long arms. You should be able to catch and bring him in. Mm. But I mean, but when, you're, when you're also like seven feet tall and have ten foot of chest, it's it's not hard it's, to palm it. it. There's a big loose target. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it it wasn't a great game. I didn't enjoy it mainly because the Storm won, and I was ex- I was expecting a big shootout. Um, mm. But I mean, Storm looked too good. I don't think any, t- especially after South and Penrith, I don't think any team are going to beat the Storm. Neither of those yeah. teams look like they could beat Melbourne. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I mean, Bellyache always has this way of getting his team ready right for finals. And and it looks like he's done it again. But considering that that game was such a blowout, the rest of the games this week were just so entertaining. Oh, my God. Roosters-Titans. Was your was your heart in your stomach as well, that very last this, vote for a more run? This game was 
insane. I loved this oh game. I God. was I was kind of looking forward to this game the second most, obviously behind the Penrith game. I was more mm. I was more keen for this than Manly Melbourne. I knew that wouldn't be too exciting, mm. but um, this game was unbelievable. I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to be this exciting. I must admit, I was extremely conflicted going into this game. Watching games and finals football at Queensland Country Bank Stadium that isn't the Cowboys is depressing, but. How good was this game? Like it, it's yeah. it's my candidate for game of the year. I was I was enthralled from kickoff to the absolute yeah. hooter at the end. And you know how many errors there were in this game? Probably a lot. Twenty five. Yeah, there were twenty five. Right. There were twenty five errors in this game, and my eyes were absolutely fucking glued to the screen. Holy yeah. shit! Oh my goodness! It was a it great was just, game. It was, it was a good just, game. and it was a lot like the last game they played during the regular season. Mm. They, it, it was the same. I think it was a 25 to 24 finish as well, or something similar. Something close, um, yeah. But yeah, that was insane. I mean, Jared Wallace just plays hard every single time. Mm. Um, Bo Fermi said had a great last one. He's he's played great there on the edge. Um, poor Paddy Herbert, though, with that finish. I mean, you have to throw it back inside to Fafita there. I don't think the play was on to Thompson. Mm. I think you got to throw it back inside to um, to Fafita. And it was good to see Corey Thompson, even though he gave Paddy Herbert a spray, mm-hmm. it was good to see him come out on socials. I think he came out on Instagram and um, said it was all love between the boys. All love between the boys. Um, I will fact check you. Close, though, 35 to 34. You know what? It's basically the same. Yeah, and Sammy Skywalker hit the field yeah, goal as well. Yeah, I remember that too. Did they use a wall that time too? Uh, I'm not sure. I would imagine so. Holy home phone. Who's got a home phone in this place? Oh, my oh, goodness. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, so um, but yeah, Jared Wallace, when he got that when he got that ball and was on the run and had oh, all that open pasture in front he, of him. He, he had the interception and he had that try where it fell in his oh, hands. Oh, the Ikevalu one. Oh, oh mate. My oh, Jared Wallace is great. I love the guy. It, um, yeah. it was a great game and it was so exciting. As you said, it was like just hit for hit. You thought a team, this is where they're going to go out and this is where they're going to extend the lead. The Roosters tried, but the Titans never left. It would have been great to see Titans play in week two, but I mean, I told you that they'd be probably pretty happy getting close yeah. and um, and just put, putting the fight up close, to the they Roosters. They and I mean, really close. They're probably devastated about this now, but you have to feel good. That's how you end your season. Yeah, 100%. Uh, one of the unsung heroes, I think, for this game was um, Victor the Inflictor. Mm-hmm. Near, near 50 tackles, ran for 138 metres, was absolutely robbed of the penalty try. Um, and the fact that they called that one in the in the Knights game afterwards, yeah, yeah, that's a joke. That was, that's what I mean. That's a bit iffy, isn't it, mate? That's a fucking joke. But um, Victor Radley had probably the best game that I've seen all year. Like all year we've been saying, you know, Victor needs to do more. Victor needs to do more. And he absolutely did everything. He left it all on the field. Um, same with James Tedesco. This this was up there with the with the performance of the year for him as well. He played that run perfectly. He he jammed in on Philip Sammy and Bo Fermor right at the end perfectly to a point where they couldn't make a play and he was able to make that tackle and defuse that straight away and just let the Titans fuck it up for themselves. Um, you know, he had a try himself. He had a line break assist and a try assist and he ran for nearly 200 metres. Like, he was he was so creative as well. And the, and the absolute smarts to step back off the left to head towards the, and I mean, I know they had a wall, but to head back toward the posts (laughs) and then just fall to his left so that Sam Walker had plenty of room on the right. That is, that is the play of like a once in a generational player. That's just a smart, high IQ football player. And um, he just, I don't think he gets enough rap for being that smart on the field. Yeah. 
And, and I think that's why when people say, oh, his stats are down compared to Tommy or when Pap has an explosive game, mm. um, that's just what separates it. His yeah. his floor is so much higher than everybody else's, I think. Even yeah. his bad game is still a great game. Yeah. And he might not he might not ring it up on the stat sheet, but I mean everything he does matters. Yeah. Yeah, it hurt me in fantasy this year having him as my captain most of the year. But you know what? If I was uh if if the season went into finals, I would gladly have kept him as my captain all the way through because the last the last few weeks have just have just said for themselves. Um I know we've said it the last couple of weeks in a row now, but the the future looks bright. In, in Gold Coast. I mean, Jaden Campbell was a freak again this week. Um, it, a little bit of a log jam there at the one that we've talked about previously, so we won't harp on it too much. But um, he, yeah, he's just amazing. And um, obviously... Needs to, this- the only thing I would say he needs to improve on, some defensive positioning. He was caught out a few times there, but yeah. he is young. He's played a handful of games. I think that'll come. Yeah. Um, but in attack, he's just electric. That's the only way to describe him, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And um, it was talked about all week. Uh, Jay Moz going up against um, young Jaden after uh, after playing against his dad. And, mate, did you not have the biggest grin on your face when he went over for a try? Yeah, it was oh a great try. He still, he still keep, he keeps kicking, doesn't he, Jay Moz? He keeps oh, going. Mate. Next week looks to be his last game um, in the NRL unless the Roosters pull out another miracle, but we'll see. Oh, I'm I'm excited for that. Tune in on uh, on Thursday to hear hear what we've got to say about that. But um, someone who won't be there next week is uh, Sammy Verrills. He mm-hmm. he was the only man that was punished for uh, an aggressive or high tackle this week. What do you make of that? I mean, it, I've heard that at the judiciary now we're filming this Monday night, so he's out there trying to fight it and get it downgraded. We'll see what comes of that. We'll touch on that on Thursday. Mm. I mean, it, it's just arbitrary, isn't it? You don't know. You don't know who's going to get what. Um, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, how is he the only guy to get done? I mean, a few of those guys are Penrith boys, so I'm happy they weren't done. Of course you are. I mean, because they're good boys. I would never do anything wrong ever. So no, never. There's never a bad never. boy in Western Sydney. No, Penrith boys have notoriously never done anything wrong. <laughs> is this the same Penrith boys that had to swap house with the coach because they were having too many loud parties? I believe so. But they so. were considerate of their neighbours and switched houses, did they not? <laughs> I believe they, they should be getting praise for that. Where's the front page for that? Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of front page news, the, the upset was on the front page. Um, South Sydney Rabbitohs go over the Penrith Panthers 16 to 10. Um, the writing was on the wall a little bit early and you could see the cracks starting to form when Dylan Edwards ended up going out and Critter was moved to the fullback and Staines was put on the wing. You knew that they were going to attack that win as soon as Staines went in. And um, it's it they just they just played such good football. So moving on to Paranui. <laughs> uh, no, you no, are no. right. If I, if I had to sit through Manly Cowboys, you got to sit through fucking Penrith South, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that to me was was a big difference there. As soon as Dill Edwards was ruled out, I mean he's not the most amazing player, he's not the most flash player, but he's just solid. Bro, he's your was, he's your next Lachlan Coot. And Lachlan he was, Coot like, was exactly yeah. the same. And he, he just like there was a few there was a few points there where he could have he w- would have been there to back up 
yeah. to be on breaks, to be there where Crichton doesn't quite have that in his arsenal yet. Doesn't have the positioning, yeah. And and the aggression. My my main knock on Crichton, I probably will always be the main knock on Crichton, is he's not aggressive enough. Yeah. You need to play like you're, what, 6'4 and huge and yeah. one of the most athletic guys on the field at all times. Mm. And sometimes he just grabs the ball, would have a take or would have a pass that just looks so athletic. It makes it look so easy. Mm. But he doesn't have that aggression on kick returns. He doesn't go looking for the ball. Mm, I mean, yeah. and that's part of the reason they shifted him out to the wing, I think. And I mean, he would have been on that right wing anyway. And I think him and Momorowski are a lot more defensively sound than putting Staines on that wing. Yeah. To me, that was... That I mean, was Staines, Staines is half the size. Like, he, he he's going to get, get run over regardless of whether he makes the play or and, not. And that, that south left winger has scored 33 tries all season, whoever plays at that. Alex Johnson's scoring, like, the vast majority. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just, yeah... As soon as he was named and the right wing was changed, I was yeah, I was, I was a little bit hesitant. And yeah. I mean, I talked about it in the in the manly game, but I mean, the talk all week was the bombs up to Taff, who handled mm. it amazingly. Taff played, spilt the first one, and then the after first that one. But I think I think that worked shoot. out. I think that worked out better for him because I think dropping mm. the first one, Penrith thought, sweet, this plan's going to work. We're going to bomb it to him all the time when there were attacking kicks probably on. I mean, mm. you look at that banana grubber that Cleary did. Oh, that was gross. Came back around. Like that was disgusting. He was think- he was absolutely magic, but he did have a few questionable decisions. I mean, that that midfield kick to Staines, if it bounces properly, he's a genius. But it didn't, and the goat Mark Nichols got back and was able to defuse it. Like there were just there were just a couple instances like that where I personally thought, Cleary, what are you doing? Like you're just trying too much. Um, and, and, and I mean, we said the same thing about DCE. You're just trying to, trying to dig you, yourself out of a grave that you, you couldn't get out of at that point. Like you just dug too deep. And I mean, I, I do like that to an extent, especially with a guy like DCE, where it's like the knock on him is kind of, he goes missing when it gets tough. Yeah. I did like to see him at least try. That was good to see. Yeah. Uh, but we're clear. It's like if, if Penrith play their normal game, they probably win there. Yeah. But possibly. I think they were just trying a bit too hard on focusing and trying to win how they wanted to. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's the issue. I mean, and oh, I mean, yes and no because they did play the, to their to their strengths. Like they went to the left hand side a lot and gave the ball to, to a lot. But Jackson Paulo just played some fantastic defense on him through over the sideline a couple of times. Like he he's going to be very good in this league. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, Taff as we said had a stellar night. Um, he that he's absolutely fearless. That jump up against Critter, like when they were both coming for the ball, holy crap! That just looked yeah. like it was going to be all sorts of all sorts of mayhem. And that's um, exactly what he's going to need to be for the rest of these finals. They yeah. don't need someone who's going to be meek and scared and defers to these guys, like guys like Walker and Reynolds and Cook and Murray. Want someone who's going to put their hand up and say, "All right, I'm going to have a crack." And if he makes a mistake, he makes a mistake. He dropped the first one. He didn't yeah. go back into his shell, as you said. He tried to make tough catches, mm-hmm. and he, he played great. Yeah. Yeah, absolute weapon. Um, more weapons for the for the South. Uh, their bigs just seemed bigger. We came into this week thinking that um, Penrith had the unfair advantage of having Tavita Pango Jr. Viliami Kikau come off the bench with one of the biggest, heaviest, and most destructive benches ever. But Nichols, Silva, Kaloa, Matangi, even Burgess off the bench, like they had such massive games. Cam, um, Cam Murray, sorry, I just had an absolute mental blank. Cam Murray had an ex- a, a great game too. But how about um, Wayno with the with the master stroke putting Benji in at lock to get another ball handler in there? Holy crap! That, yeah, I, that's what changed the game. 
Yeah, I think that's smart. And I mean, that's what it is. I think teams are really, really starting to identify that these bench 14s, we'll call, we'll call them 14s, are mm-hmm. what's so vital. A yeah. utility that can be cover for an outside back going down or for a half going down, but mm-hmm. can also, if your team's fully healthy, pop in there at lock and be an extra ball handler because that's where these teams are really good. Yeah. Like yeah. Storm, and I mean, you see, that, you see that with Dylan Walker as well for Manly. And as you're about to say, Storm, Storm do it perfectly as well. Yep. Um, with with um, Grant and and the Chiefs, so um, it's it, and these are the teams that separate each other from the pack. Mm. And then even the teams that don't have a quote unquote fourteen like that, like Penrith and the Roosters do it, but they do it with Victor Radley and Isaiah Yo playing at first receiver. Yeah, because then you can have your halves on your edges. And I mean, teams are, teams are figuring this out. It's not that they don't know. It's that it's such it's not the norm for what happens normally. Yeah. So they're, yeah. They're, try, they're slowly easing their feet in. And this was great. And I mean, the, the forward battle, South absolutely killed Penrith. Oh, and I mean, the problem, the problem with Penrith's bench is, or their forwards are, you've got a guy like TPJ and you've got a guy like Kikau, guys who can go missing. Mm. They're guys, yep. they have X factor guys like that. But then they also have guys who turn up every week and play hard. Yeah. And they lost Moses Liotta because of that. Mm. Um. Liam Martin sometimes gets in his own way with his aggression, but I like that. I'm never going to tell him to play less aggressive. Yeah. Kurt Cable's a guy that comes in and always gives you a seven or an eight. Mm -hmm. And Fisher Harris is Fisher Harris. I think they just, when Penrith look really, really good, it's when those X factor guys play really well. When you kick out and your TPJ play really well, but they didn't have a chance to this game. And even Spencer Linu, like those guys have to come on and make an impact and let the other boys do all the grind work. Yeah, it just was. It just was weird. It seemed like the dynamic and and the chemistry wasn't quite there for the forwards. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And and just another masterstroke from Cody Walker. He was absolutely everywhere. Um, whenever the bunnies needed a massive play, or whenever the bunnies, um, and, and and I don't think they ever looked to lose their way, but he just steers the ship so damn well, um, and just allows Adam Reynolds to do exactly what Adam Reynolds needs to do: putting in attacking kicks. Um, protects him a little bit on the defensive end. Um, and obviously he's surrounded by the bigs as well, but Cody Walker is just such a focal point of that offense that he's almost the man that you got to take out first. Mm. He's, and like, I mean, how good is the South Roosters final going to be on that, on that oh, side of mate, the bracket? You got wait. South Roosters and then you got the Western Sydney Derby as well. Para Penrith going to be great games and Cody Walker is going to be hard to stop. I think, I think the Roosters defense is good, but it's not going to be good enough to stop, um, to stop South and what Cody Walker is doing. Do you think um, the two teams that are going into the prelim, they're going to be the uh, the grand final teams? We'll touch on it more on Thursday, but um, you reckon? Possibly. I think okay. – I'd say so, yeah. I, unless Penrith come out and really impress me against Para this week, I think mm. they're going to have a hard time against Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, um, speaking of Para, let's get to that game. Um, the, the hashtag case bet um, was on. Uh, who what, Can you remind me who won again? I can't quite remember. Uh, the – Parramatta Eels. <laughs> I mean the, the case bet. Oh I yeah, bet. you won. You won the case bet. Um, yes. Because you took Parramatta to beat Newcastle. They did win twenty-eight to twenty. Um, but I think more of an entertaining game than you, especially. Yeah. And I a thought lot it was going to be a blowout. Giving credit for. Um, I think that um, Ponga did a really good job at the beginning of the game. Fell asleep in the middle of the game, but then came rearing out at halftime. Um, and and he's their he's their absolute X factor. And when we talk about X factor, his passing game is ridiculous. That bullet that he had to Inari Tuala, stop it. 
stop it. Even in slow-mo, that was almost a perfect spiral the whole way through. It was it was gross. He cut out two of his own guys and cut out four Parramatta players. Like, what the hell? That was that was an unreal ball. That was yeah. unreal. And as you said, like he just went missing a little bit in the middle there. And it ended up being a little bit of a shootout, which I didn't expect. It was mm. probably a higher scoring game from Newy than I thought. I probably Parra would probably score about this many. Mm. Uh, yeah. But Parra looked good. Mitch Moses stood up. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch Moses was the player of the game, hands down. He he also cops a little bit of flack for disappearing when uh, when times get tough, and um, he definitely did not do that. As soon as he – you could just see the aggression in his eye, and when he had that try where he stepped off his right and just blew past Ponga and blew past David Klemmer, there was there was no stopping him. You knew that it was a Mitch Moses game after that, and that's when I knew to throw in the towel, to throw in the towel for, for Para. I knew that they were going to go over with it. Uh, yeah, I think I think people I think a lot of people forget Mitch Moses. His strength is how he runs. Yeah, he came through the grades as a six next yep. to next to Luke Brooks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the problem I think a lot of his problem is because I mean I don't particularly dislike him. Mm-hmm. I just think that he just does disappear and he's not as good as what he could be. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of that comes down to when the going gets tough, he looks upon himself to kind of set the team up and have it have it his team, which yeah. I understand, but he, he needs to turn to a guy like Brown and say, all right, man, you need to help me. You don't have a great, you're, you can run well, but I can run heaps better. Yeah. You need to kind of get this organized and I'm going to play off the back of that. And I'm going to start making decisions like that. Yeah. Cause when he exactly. runs he, and you look, you think of all the times you think of man, power looks dominant. You think of that game at bank West against the tigers. When he runs to the corner, scores the first try at bank West. Yeah. When he, when he runs here, yeah, when he's running and looking aggressive and you, and you're calling power flat track bullies, it's because he's running and he's playing eyes up football. Mm, yeah. But they get away from that every year. They do get um, away from that. They, he gets too bogged down in trying to be a structured, um, Nathan Cleary. Yeah. And I actually think those two could play together. I know when yeah, you're talking about p- people think he's like a like-for-like like replacement almost for Cleary. I think the two of them could be a great six and seven because Moses, when he wants to, is one of the best ball runners at the number seven there is in the game. Yeah. Probably behind only, I guess, Jerome Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with that. Um, but he, yeah, he had, a, he had a killer of a game. But also talking to guys that, that have been known in the past to disappear, RCG proved to be the difference. Mm. Like he was the absolute energy player for the Parramatta Eels. You felt some of those those tackles uh, here in, in New South Wales. He had um, more hits than a than a freaking SoFresh CD. It was it was ridiculous. Shout out to SoFresh. Yeah, shout out to SoFresh. But um, only, only had 28 tackles. That did surprise me looking at that number. But all of the big tackles you remember from that game – RCG was in him, and that that mustache and those short shorts were standing over a player, and it was it was just ridiculous. He he had such a such a good game, and as you said, we're looking forward to the Battle of the West next week, and we'll touch on that on Thursday. But um, you know, the the Eels um, front pack really stood up, I think, this week, and um, and I'm really looking forward to them going head to head with the with the Penrith boys, especially after Penrith have that. Um, kind of in the back of their heads that that they did deal with the Eels early, like earlier a couple of weeks ago. Um, but that was their C squad. If, if, if Para come out like this, you're right. It could be a bad day for Penrith. Yeah. I, I do think the, the pack standing up and, and playing so well was the difference. I mean, mm. Newcastle have a great pack with Safidis and Clem, but they just came out looking ready to go. Like you had Ray mm. Stone playing hard, Nathan Brown playing well, Paulo and RCG leading the way. Yeah. They just found great fringe guys. Mm. Sean Lane, Nia Cora, and that other the other guy who looks like Ma- Nia Cora. Makatashe. 
Oh mate, the yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the other blonde boy, he plays well too. They got a great pack, and I mean that that's that's what the difference was. The outside backs from both sides looked good. The halves looked all right. It was mm. the forward pack that really separated it. And I think, I think Paris pack not playing against Penrith last week did help. They we'll didn't carry something. that. Yeah, I think I think that loss would have hurt more not only this game but it would have hurt more going into next week's game. Yeah, whereas 100%. you said. Oh shit! We lost to these guys two weeks ago. We're para. What we're supposed to do is get bounced now. Whereas mm. they don't have that. They probably they the last time they lost to Penrith before last week was a game where Mitch Moses missed the conversion. Yeah, so they were in that the yeah. whole game. They, they were in that the whole, the whole game. game. And I mean, they're probably going to take a lot out of that and think, well, we were one conversion away from winning. We mm. can do that this time. Yeah, if they bring the defense that they brought, yeah, um, this week. As I said, it's going to be a very, very tough, tough game because, as you said, Nathan Brown and Nathan Brown, light, Ray Stone, they were massive. They combined for nearly 90 tackles mm. and at a 94% efficiency. Like, I think they only missed like five tackles between the two of them. And that that's just disgusting. That, you know, if you're coming in with that level of aggression and, and they weren't just tackles, like they were big hits. Ray Stone was digging in and he was picking guys up. Like that hit on Jake Clifford where Jake Clifford come running out of the in goal and Ray Stone just absolutely put him on his ass. It was, it was beautiful to watch as a Cowboys fan, I must admit. Um, but it was hard to watch as somebody that was, that had a bet on the game. I, I think, I think the first half would have been a bit more of a blowout if Newey didn't have the wins on their side. Yeah. There were so many times they were pinned within their 20. And we know Clifford's got a boot. We know Piercy's got a boot. And they just kicked their way out of that. Yeah. The win yeah. helped. And, you know, Parrell would put on a great set, keep them within the, the 20 or the 15, and they'd be starting all the way down the other end. Yeah. Just because the breeze was there. I think if they didn't have the breeze in that first half, they would have, they would have applied a lot of pressure and just taken that game by the reins. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that it was as entertaining as it was. Um, as we spoke about, Junior Paulo is going to miss out on a charge with that dangerous hit. It's just a consistency. Like at this point, it's not only the refs and the bunker, but it's the it's your judiciary as well. Like you just need to have some level of consistency when it comes to these hits. If you're going to have a, a message going out saying that we want this game to be safe for kids, we want mothers to tune into the game and let their kids watch and have fun and play this game, then and, and protect heads and stuff like that. Like, I'm all for player protection as well. But if you're going to have this, it just needs to be the same for everybody. It's black and white. It's binary. It can't be different trades for different people. You know what I mean? Well, see, I, I kind of disagree a little bit. I don't really care about the mums watching the game. I don't really, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. I don't. Don't be mummies. Well, I mean, there's, there's always going to be different rules in the juniors to protect kids than there are in the seniors. Yeah, hundred percent. These guys, these guys play. I don't, I don't think so. I think you should be able to separate the NRL from from an under eights game. Mm. And I think when you're at that level, you listen to those guys, the ex players, the current players. They all say, "We know what we get into. We know the risks of the head injuries, but we'd still play." Yeah, they're, they're, we wouldn't change it. Yeah, we want things to be a bit safer and a bit better, but we wouldn't mm. change it. And I agree. I think you need to have these rules in for younger grades so they can come in and still have the brain function at 19 to make these decisions. Yeah. <laughs> but I think once you get to that level, you need to start doing it a bit different. And it, for me, it is just the uniformity of it. We just yeah. need consistency. If it's going to be you hit someone in the head with the shoulder, you miss time and you hit someone in the head with the shoulder, you need to miss time. Yeah, I don't 100%. understand this. I don't, and I get there's grading and the gray area, the judiciary being like old ex players. I get it's a very rugby league thing to do. I don't know if it's the right thing. We need to get a bit more professional in there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just to 
I just keep it consistent. Like if, if you if you do the same tackle as a guy the next night, obviously different refs are going to view things differently, but they're so vastly different. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. Well, do you have anything more for for this week's games? No, I just hope Para lose next week, even more than usual. I must say. Yeah. Look, I. Uh, as we've seen now, I'm not a very good betting man, but um, I would bet my money I knew that, that anyway. would, um, only because it is the Parramatta Eels and history dictates that they will lose. If if they don't lose and I have to eat my words, then we'll have to get friend of the podcast, Andy, on here um, just so that he can rub it into me, even if he sends in a message just to rub it in. And we'll I don't think I could podcast. deal with that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we might tee that up with him. Um, all right, so... This week, because there's not that many games, we're going to talk a little a little team of the year. Team of the year, son. So, so what we've decided to do, ladies and gentlemen, is um, I've put together my team of the year. Lachlan's put together his team of the year. And we're going to try and convince each other and, and make like a super team and, and, and be happy with the guys that we've got. I reckon we've probably got about nine or ten guys from a 1 to 17 pack that are the same. But- do you do 1 to 17? Yeah, I did all the way to 17. Okay, we're going to compare 1 to 13, then you can have your Oh, we're going to compare (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll have enough guys left from our 26 to make a bench. (laughs) How good. How good. All right. Well, um, ladies first, you go. All right. Number one, I am pretty sure we have the same guy. Take it off. Take it off. Tommy Turbo. Done it. Add it it to the list. Tommy Turbo. Tommy Turbo. Um, and, and I mean, there's no reasoning behind, there's no need for us to, to absolutely. Did you think about anyone else? Um, I gave a few sympathy votes to James Tedesco, uh, but I think that's just recency bias. Um, I think it was always going to be Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just had that much of an impact this year, hasn't he? Um, and, and probably going to be the daily M. So it is what it is. Uh, who do you have on the wings? Um, oh, see, I tossed, I had three guys I tried to fit into my wings and I had three guys I tried to fit into my centers, but I'll oh, give no. you the, I'll give you the guys that I chose. I only chose people in positions. Yeah, me too. So me I too. will, I will give you the wingers and then I want to hear yours and I'll see if it's any of the ones I chose. So my wingers were Brian To'o mm-hmm. and Ruben Garrick, handsome Ruben gets a shout Two for two, baby. I had the same. I had the exact same. Uh, Did you consider anyone else? I I had someone close to Ruben, but when when I looked at the seasons, I just thought it was it was too hard not to give it to Rubes. Yeah, look, um, Josh Adokar always gets a really good shout in my mind. I mean, he's one of the one of the better wingers, obviously, that we've got in in our league. Um, But no, I had handsome Ruben for sure, only because of like the absolute the impact that he's had this year. And um, Brian Toto has emerged as one of the game stars. Who did you, who did you have possibly? My other one was Alex Johnson. Oh yeah, Alex I thought Johnson. AJ's played well, and I mean he's scored twenty seven tries, but he's it's, been it's unbelievable. Of that left edge, I do so think so Johnson. too. That that's why I that's why I eventually went with handsome Ruben. I thought that the left edge is going to score tries anyway. He scores mm. more than probably another winger would have, but yep. Garrick does a lot more. Um, he's definitely improved. He's played all right at fullback when he's filled in for Tommy. And yeah. He kicked the shit out of the ball. Yeah. Oh, God, he can't. Kicked it yeah. 81% this year. Yeah. Still no hazard on Masri, though. Um, all right. In the centers, who did you have? I had Matty Burton. Surprise I had Matty Burton. breakout center. Yep. And my I also other had center, Matt Burton. Joey Manu. 
Joey Manu, look at us five. No, five. bro. How we go? This is the like we're meant to be debating this. What is yeah, doing? I know, but but if if you're that good, you're that good, right? That is true. I did take out Joey Manu after having someone in there first. Oh, well, Joey Manu you is your a, third. Yes, he was my third. He's my second. He's in there, but he originally was my third. Mm, maybe Justin Olam. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He had a good year. He he was up. He was my third as well. Um, yeah. But I think that. Um, I think that him and the Fox are a tandem. I don't think one of them is as good without the other. And um, it, and that's shown when one of them's out and the other one's not. And they're um, just so different. Like Olam's just power and muscle and then. Yeah. And Fox is all the finesse and yeah. speed. Yeah. Um, and, and together they are the perfect marriage. Um, I feel bad for Melbourne next year. I mean, Melbourne's always going to be good, but I feel bad for Melbourne next year. Whereas that, because that partnership's no longer going to be there. I think they'll figure it out. Oh, I'm sure. I think, I think Xavier Coach going to a wing will be all right. Yeah, but it's not. It's not going to be the same. <laughs> point. Okay. Um, speaking of actually, yeah. Speaking of Melbourne, did you have the Melbourne Six? I did not have the Melbourne Six. I did not. Cons- this to me was probably the second quickest decision in the team beside after Tommy. Oh, Cody Walker then. Cody Walker. Yeah. Look, I ultimately went Cody Walker as well, but Cameron Munster was my 1B to he this. Had too, he had too much of it. He, he would have probably been my second number six, Yeah. but he had too much of a quiet year. I, I would have maybe, if I wanted to get real cheeky with it, which you know I like to do, oh, I would have had Olam in there and then Matty Burton to the six. Shut the fuck up. Decided no. against it though. Decided yeah, against it. Figured we weren't, we, we weren't that type of podcast. We would have we would have had so much. I would have hated you. I would have hated you so much. I would have kicked <laughs> you off your own podcast. Oh my god. Um the seven we don't need to discuss, I don't think. The Prince of Penrith. The Prince of Penrith. Yep. I had him as well. So we're we're seven for seven right I think, now. I think we might end up 13 for 13 with your bench, Chief. Um <laughs> I don't no, I I think we'll have one person different. Yeah, uh, I, I can. Uh, yeah, I, I can see one or two different. Um, who'd you have for number eight? Big Payne Haas. Okay, I had Payne Haas number ten. So both props, obviously. So um, we'll we'll take that. I'll throw Payne in there right now. Um, yeah, and and I mean, what an emerging year. He he's just a weapon. Who um, was your Who was your other prop then? James Fisher Harris. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did toss I think if a guy like if if AFB played a few more games, he would have been in contention. AFB was up there for me as well. Uh, but I mean James was a Harris, just he does it quietly every game. Yeah. Just plays 100%. so well. Like the Storm yeah. Boys don't really have any props that really move the needle crazy. Yeah. Manly don't have any. Um yeah. South don't, they're all kind of by committee. They yeah. have great props, don't get me wrong, but none of them do <laughs> what James Fisher-Harris uh, does. The goat, Mark, Mark Nichols right Mark now. Nichols, so yeah. um, how dare you? But, I mean, I think you're 100% on the money. Um, you've got, you know, someone like uh, old mate Bromwich, who's captaining the the Melbourne side right now. And, um, yeah, he doesn't move the needle all that much. Um, obviously, their strike comes from their back seven and, and, their, and their front guys just really help that back seven. Mm. Um, who do you have for your hooker? I had the cheese. I had the hectic cheese. Oh, fuck well. off, bro. I we thought are, for sure that was going to be different. I thought for sure you're going to have Harry Grant or Appy or something. Harry Grant's my 14. Uh, well, I don't have a 14, so different. Different, different. In, uh, I was just to say, this is bo- people at home were expecting, you know, a little bit of war here. Look, 
I, I, I promise you, everybody at home, I promise you, we did not. We, <laughs> we went into this with full intentions of not having the same team, but we sometimes are on that much of the same wavelength. It's it's actually scary. Um, and and it, I mean, these guys all had fantastic years. Like, you yeah. can't go past some of these names. And, I mean, I've seen a few teams the year out there with the guys we've spoken about in instead. Yeah. With like Olam or Johnson on the wing, guys or like AFB. that, yeah, which is yeah. fine. Like AFB in there. It is what it is. Or as we said, one of the nines being like Harry Grant or something like that or Appy. We do understand like these are the best guys. Yeah. So it's going to be a team made up of these guys. Yeah, 100%. Uh, who'd you have in 11? 11. By the year, surely. I had Papali'i. Yeah, by the year, Isaiah yeah, Papali'i. Even though he played a few games in the middle and in at 13. Yeah, um, he, was, he was majority 11 this year. Yeah. Um, how about the 12? Big Davey Fifi. <laughs> See, I had, because I had a bench, I put Fafita on the bench. Because he's yeah, well, predominantly I bench, played, I done that too. Yeah, he's predominantly played on the bench. I had Homole Olakowatu uh, in, in my 12. He He's had another, he's had an emergent year this year, I think. Um, he's proven to be one of the, I would say, top four, top five players in Manly. Um, and I don't think that they have the level of success that they do right now without him. I think they're two or three wins behind without his input, especially while Tommy was down. I, um, um, but I would I would obviously I would obviously throw David Fafita in there. Yeah, my my third back role was Keon Kalomatungi. Yeah, Kalomatungi. He kind of, he's played great him. and he started and he he was my third one that I kind of Dave Fafita, you know, he scored too many tries. He makes such an impact. He doesn't he doesn't defend really well. He doesn't tackle amazingly. Yeah. He doesn't run up the run meters and stuff like that. But what he does as a strike player is unparalleled. Yeah, 100%. And and if I didn't have a bench, David Fafita would have been in there for sure. We would have yeah. been 12 for 12. Um, but I do think we have the same number 13. You go first then, brother. Uh, another one of your boys, Isaiah Yo. How do you? I thought for sure you'd have Cab Murray. Nah, nah. Yeah, Isaiah, I got Isaiah Yo. Yo as well. I think Cab Murray's good. Um, he's fa- he's he's fantastic actually. Yeah, I don't know. I think amazing. he plays just such a different role. Yeah. Um, his role is kind of to run hard, defend hard, get a quick play the ball. And mm-hmm. I know this sounds dumb, and I know it's a stupid take, but mm-hmm. I don't like that sometimes he makes errors and he makes the wrong decision to yeah. get the quick play the ball. Yeah. Yeah. He does, and like I know the quick play the ball is such an important thing, but it shouldn't be the thing. Like I get that he does it amazingly. Yeah. But it shouldn't be his best skill. He's too good for that. Yeah, he can do so much more than that, and yeah, I think exactly. all the focus on the quick play the ball is amazing, and it's great, and it helps his team. It gets them rolling, gets Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds on the back of that. But mm. I don't know. I just don't really like it. I like what Isaiah Yo does for Penrith. I like that yeah. he's an extra playmaker. He defends, and yeah, he, he, and his yeah. his passing game this year has just his, gone. His it's short gone from passing a game to a ten. Like he's, he's his short passing it. game has been unreal. Yeah, yeah, um, that yeah. Uh, that's our team of the year, I guess. On the bench, I had um, Harry Grant as the ultimate sub, number fourteen. Um, I had Cody. I thought about Cody Walker for fourteen. He's played well. He kind of plays everywhere for Manly. There, he feels. Cody, the you mean Dylan Walker? Uh, Dylan, Dylan Walker, Walker. yeah, yep. the other one, Dylan Walker. Um, he plays. He plays out the back and covers there when they have injuries, and he plays through the mm. middle as the thirteen as well. He, yeah, he's had a pretty resurgent year. Um, I had a dark horse for fifteen. Uh, he's played pretty well 50-50 with uh, Josh Papali'i. Um, Joseph Tarpany. He had. I thought he had quite a good year down in Canberra, um, and and can build off of that really, really well. Um, but I mean, you could have tossed me out of him. It, it was a little bit of a filler, I must admit. Uh, I had David Fafita in at the sixteen, and um, Big Nelson in the seventeen yeah, coming big, off the yeah. bench. 
fantastic um, he, bench player. He was, yeah, he's been fantastic this year, but he's also one of those 50-50 guys that has played off the bench and in the starting lineup due to injury or whatever. Um, but when he does come off the bench, I feel he has his biggest impact, especially when he's coming in for guys like um, Fanukan or or at either of the Bromwich boys. Um, he's he's just an absolute strike player. Um, well, I'd like to say that I'm surprised that we went uh, 12 for 13 the same, but I'm not all that surprised, to be fair. Um, I did think there was only going to be like a maximum yeah, I thought, of I thought there'd be a few. On. I thought there'd be a few in the pack that were different, but um, not quite. I mean, but, that's, a t- that's our team of the year, and we'll make sure to throw that up on socials. We'll add the bench as well, and we'll add our coach of the year. Yeah. Ooh. Who's your coach of the year? Oh, it's got to be Desi, doesn't it? Trent Robinson, I think. Trent Robinson. Well, Trent I Robinson think- to keep this team to keep this team clicking after losing so many guys and working out a system that can work after losing so many important pieces of your team. Well, I mean, I put this to you. That's and that's a great argument, but I put this to you. Des Hasler was on the hot seat. This is a man that signed a contract with a finals, a top four finals clause in his contract to get an extra payday where we all said he is a fucking idiot for doing that because there's no way that they're going to make it. It's never happened that a team's gone 0-4 and made the top four. Um, they played Tommy perfectly, as you've said. They 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 managed that hamstring and they played him really, really well. He's come back perfectly. Handsome Rubens had a great had a great year. Um I just think it's got to be Desi. I think the team being healthy helped him. I think Absolutely. if Tom, I think if Tommy was hurt and he missed games and they were, you know, seventh or eighth, to be saying, "Wow, it still did really well." Like, look at that. Mm. He like Des did good. He didn't have Tommy all year. He did well. Like Tommy was always available when he was available. Mm. The only games he missed were when they were holding him out for Origin, which I understand. And even then, like we all said, they were going to be pretty good when Tommy played. We didn't think they were going to be this good. Mm. I just think Trent Robinson having all those guys injured and just every every game they lose someone, whether it be mm. through injury or suspension, they lost like they probably lost Sam Verrills for next week. Yeah. There's next yeah. man up. You know what next I mean? It's, it's a Maskew brother in there. Yeah, look, I don't think that there's a wrong answer between those two. And it's evident because those are the two teams that surprise us the most this year. And and we've put that up on the socials that they were probably the two um yeah, the four and five probably shouldn't be in the four and five after the years that they've had. Um, all right. Well, that's our team of the year. As, as Locke said, we'll throw it up on the socials. We'll, uh, we'll put the bench in there too. Um, and we'll, we'll discuss later who the, who the coach of the year is, but you, you could easily convince me that it's Trevor Robinson. I will, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I think that's it for the for the rugby league. And there's, there's really not all that much news in the NBA. Um, it's, basically just um, the guys that were inducted into the Hall of Fame today. Um, so today or yesterday, it was one of the days. Um, so do you disagree with any of these? Um, Chris Bosch, who's a two-time champ, 11-time All-Star. No, no disagree. Um, um, I mean, it's a bit – I <laughs> probably not. I mean, if you'd asked me when he retired, not. if I thought he'd be Hall of Fame, probably not. The icon of the big three, uh, of uh, one of the icons of the big three, sorry. And, there was three um, of them to be specific. Someone someone who helped the whole Vince Carter movement to putting Toronto on the map. You don't think that he deserves um, I don't. Not that he doesn't deserve it. I just think that his, his career was cut short, obviously, with the health stuff. I yeah. think we're a little bit skewed as we were in that age of we, was, we were old enough to appreciate the big three in Miami, mm. and we remember it. I'm pretty sure if you ask kids, they wouldn't really know. They would probably know who Chris Bosch is. 
is, but they wouldn't understand yeah. what he did. Yeah. And I think yeah. I'm not saying that should be what puts you in the hall of fame, mm. but I think like obviously 11 time all-star two time champ is great. There's guys in there who probably have less mm. and he's got, he's got, he's got a gold medal as well. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. 2008. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I, I probably, I'm surprised that he, that he's in. Yeah. Uh, look, personally, I'm not all that surprised. Um, I think he revolutionized the big man um, and really turned this league into – and, I mean, we've seen three-man leagues before. Dennis Rodman comes to mind perfectly, a guy that just doesn't need any stats and just gets gets on it on the defensive end. But um, if Bosch doesn't take a back seat to Wade and LeBron then, then those teams aren't as successful as they are. So um, I certainly think he deserves it. Um, a guy that I don't think deserves it, and I'm going to cop a lot of flack from this from friend of the podcast, but Paul Pierce, um, I think he's a completely overrated player, regardless of being an NBA champion, a finals MVP. Um, I don't think that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think that a lot of people will agree with me, but a lot of people will disagree with me as well. What's your thoughts? Well, I'm one of those people that disagree with you, mate. I, I agree with you in the fact that I think he's a little bit overrated, but I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Ten-time All-Star, four-time four All-NBA. You look at it and you go, oh, it's not that much better than what Bosch got. He only got the one champ, but he was, he was the guy on that championship team. Finals MVP. You could mm-hmm. say it was KG, but yeah, at, KG wor- at worst, he's the, he's the second guy on the team. Mm. And Ronda I think also he, had a really big year that year. He was influential yeah. in that Boston, yeah, yeah, that Boston sure. championship. Okay. He was. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, I'm not disagreeing. That's Mr. Right? That's, that was Mr. Triple Double before Westbrook <laughs> made it cooler, right? I do, I do think Pierce does deserve it. Um, he's a little bit skewed as well, playing for Boston, such a big franchise. It's been so mm. long since they won, and he was the yeah. guy out of the big three that they drafted. Mm. Um, as a takesman and a media guy, God, he's dog shit. Oh, he's but, terrible. Mate, he still thinks he could take LeBron. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he's, he's, he's somehow turned into LeVar Ball. I know. Retirement. I don't know. I don't know. You can miss me with all his after career stuff, but during career stuff. And I mean, he's got the goat final moments of shitting himself and then coming back onto the court. Mate, this is just a guy that thinks he's better <laughs> than Kobe Bryant, like in, in their primes as well. That's and, and that baffles me. The fact that somebody is so deranged to think that it, that played with Kobe Bryant. Um, uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm biased in that sense. He's my goat. So um, another guy that I I don't necessarily agree with making the Hall of Fame is uh, Chris Webber. Uh, only real claims uh, claims to fame. He's a five-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA. Uh, he was the 93-94 Rookie of the Year. He got unlucky, obviously, uh, in the early 2000s with Sacramento and that skewed game against the uh, against the Lakers. But um, what do you reckon? Um, I mean, I love Chris Webber. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I really do love Chris Webber. Those early Kings... Those early two thousands Kings teams are some of the some of my favorites to watch. Mm. They're so fun, and I mean, I think they'd be great in this era. They weren't mm. exactly big, they weren't exactly strong. They were just passing, making great decisions, and and playing great basketball. Yeah. And then you go back to his time in college. He was, you know, he was one he was one controversial timeout away from winning a national championship against North Carolina. Yeah. Um, those Fab Five teams are also some of the best. I mean, yeah. I love personally. I love. Chris Webber, and I, I'm glad he's in the Hall of Fame as a Chris Webber fan. It's been mm. a while. He's been eligible for a little bit, mm. and this has been one of the weaker Hall of Fame classes. So this mm. is how I think he's managed to get in, but I don't think he should be. And yeah, my argument know. for that is you can tell you can tell the story of NBA without including Chris Webber. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing. If there's a guy like Paul Paul Pierce where you kind of have to be like, oh, well, he was, you know, the guy on Boston. He was in that championship team. You know, 
one of the first big threes doing what they do. And then mm. even Chris Bosch, he was part of the LeBron big three, part of, a, I wouldn't say dynasty, but part of like a team that had a great era. Yeah. With Weber, it was, yeah, he was part of a Kings team that was fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I know that, I know, as you said, like the Tim, the Tim Donahue game or Donahue, however you say it, obviously, mm-hmm. isn't as great if he'd made a final and probably won that finals, then that's great. But I mean, he didn't. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's what it comes to. Like the, the great debate for the, for the Hall of Fame is accolades at the end of the day. Um, and it, you're right. You have to be able to tell the story of the NBA with that person, but not necessarily front and center, but they have to be like the, the KG, Tim Duncan and Kobe class, hands down, all of those guys. And, and all of those guys a thousand times over because you can't tell the story of the NBA without those guys. Um, this year, the inductees, you could probably leave a couple out. Um, I think that um, Ben Wallace has a has a much better mm-hmm. story to tell than what Chris Webber does. He's I, I personally think he's way more deserving. So I agree with you on that front that Webber shouldn't be in it. But I mean, Wallace was was such a weapon on the defensive end and undersized as well. And you think greatest Afros of all time? You think Ben Wallace? Like you think NBA Afros, you think Ben Wallace, you think NBA shooting sleeves, you think Allen Iverson, you know, it's, it just, they go hand in hand. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, Ben Wallace also made it in NBA champion, only a four time, also five time all NBA and four time defensive player of the year. Um, just an absolute weapon. And and I'm pretty sure he did it. Uh, I think he was six, nine. So, um, you know, undersized at the center, but could leap out of the building. What are your thoughts? Well, first off, touching on Chris Webber quickly again. I love him. Nothing against him. It just is what it is. I just want that known. Uh, Ben Wallace, I think, yeah, I think he's kind of the opposite there to Webber, where they're probably a similar caliber of player. Yeah. But it's just the way that their careers unfolded that's so different. Mm. You can't tell, like, when you're looking at the NBA, those 2000s Pistons were the 2000s Pistons. Yeah. They're the guys that beat, they're the guys that broke up Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. They're yeah. the guys that made the reincarnation life. of the bad boys. They're the guys that made LeBron's early life hell. Yeah. They're the yeah. guys that stopped those pretty good Boston teams from getting anywhere. They're the guys that stopped the good Pacers teams from getting anywhere. Mm. They you mean the KG led Boston teams, right? <laughs> it's the truth, baby. Fuck. Uh, uh, they were just so good and so dominant and had such an identity. And yeah. they, they did win a chip and they won a chip off the back of what. Ben Wallace was known for defense. Yeah. And he, just wasn't shot, so, you know? he wasn't some big, you couldn't not play. He was there being an anchor for this team. And as yeah. you said, otherworldly Afro. Yeah. Otherworldly. Yeah. And, and, and you can't not think Ben Wallace when you think Afro, like if you're, even if you're like the biggest, not the biggest NBA casual, but if, you, but if you've been following the league for, you know, the better part of 15 years, you would have seen Ben Wallace's Afro and you have to think, Ben Wallace when you think Afro. And you also um, think of this Detroit team when you think of that early 2000s, really slow, low-scoring basketball with games like 66 to 60. That, yeah. that, that's what you think of. You think of him and what he did. Yeah, 100%. Um, another guy that made it into the Hall of Fame was Tony Kukoc. Uh, he's the 1995-96 sixth man of the year. Uh, he's a three-time NBA champion with those Michael Jordan teams, the second run around, um, and famously known for, for being absolutely bullied at the Olympics by, by Pippen and Jordan. Um, thoughts on that? Uh, I think international guys probably have an easier run. 
yeah. into the finals. I think if Chris Webber was from a European country and played in a couple of Olympics, it'd be different. Yeah. Because you look at Kukoc, his NBA stats probably alone aren't good enough. Nah. Um, won, won a couple of chips, but he wasn't. He was maybe the third guy over Rodman. You could say they did different things, mm. but um, one of the I one think, of the ultimate sixth men, you would think, like one of those bench guys that that just come in and, and did what he had to do. I also think he was one of those guys that had the mentality of like, I want to win and I want to play on a better team and have a smaller role to win. Yeah. I think his playmaking at his size and his skills, he could have been the focal point of a team. Mm. I think for sure. Mm. Um, I think he sacrificed a lot of that to play with the Bulls. I think he's Olympic stuff. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I, I say he's worth to, to To that point that he could be the focal point of a team. I mean, you saw that in the 98, 99 season for Chicago when they started to break the band up. He averaged 18.8 points a game. Uh, he had seven rebounds a game as well. It was one of his better shooting years as well. Like, it, you know, you, the proof is in the pudding. He could have yeah. been the focal point of a team. It's it's almost like, and there is no way in hell that I'm comparing Clay Thompson to Tony Kukoc, but it's almost like that Clay Thompson kind of mold where um, Clay could also be the focal point of a team. He scores that many points. He could be that guy, but... He also doesn't feel the need to be. He's happy to be the second or third guy or even fourth guy when Durant was there um, that that didn't need to be in the spotlight. So, um, And you need guys like that. You need glue guys that are going to come in and, and, and help play their role. Um, and um, what we think, I'm, I'm 99% sure, the first Aussie in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. Lauren so, Jackson. The Lauren goat. Jackson, the GOAT, yeah. Um, you know, obviously all praise to Gazy, but he's not the GOAT. Um, Lauren Jackson, she's a three-time MVP, seven-time All-Star, and now um, Hall of Fame inductee into, the, into the basketball home of it's Hall of Fame. Great to see. Every, every Australian baller loves Lauren Jackson. Yeah. Um, say what you want about the WNBA, WNBL, women's basketball. Say whatever you want. Um, it's entertaining, and people love Lauren Jackson. Yeah, that's it. And 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 there's not much more to say on that. She's she's very well deserving, and um and yeah, it's just great to see. It's mm. great to see a little bit of recognition coming down under. Um, all right, mate. Well, um, that's all I've pretty much got for here. What 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 do you got? You got anything else? No, I'm pretty good. I just tell people keep your eyes peeled. We're going to chuck up our team of the year and coach of the year on socials. We're going to chuck on our team of the week as we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what are those socials for the people? Let socials me know. are fifth and dribble. Yeah, cool. At fifth and dribble for um, Instagram and Twitter, and make sure to slide into those DMs. We've got question time coming up this Thursday, along with our preview show for week two of the finals. We'll obviously be covering both games, and um, and yeah, we'll have a obviously have a couple of other little things sprinkled in there. Um, but other than that, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you make next sure, time. Cheers make sure to tune in. Cheers for listening. Take care, guys, and uh, catch you later.